0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of In the Trenches Sports. Sean Ludden, joined alongside by the man, the myth, the legend, Coach Chance Clemens, the bearded wonder himself and coach. I don't know if we're crying, we're celebrating in jubilation. You know, college football season's done and now done with. Um, but I, I, Are we happy with the national title game or are we disappointed?
1: Um, I don't think, I mean, for me, I'm not really, it's a little disappointing because like you would have hoped TCU would have kind of, you know, done a little better. Um, But it was kind of the perfect storm for Georgia. I mean, they were just hitting on all cylinders and it was kind of the worst storm for TCU where, Overthrows got intercepted, underthrows got intercepted, um, really no run game at all. So it kind of sucked, but it was nice because Georgia kind of proved without any doubt that they, they were the best team. Um, And of course there's people saying, OTC didn't deserve to be there when, all the reality is they do deserve to be there. I mean, they beat a really good Michigan team. Exactly. But whoever was playing Georgia that night was not gonna win. Yeah, I mean,
0: you just look at that Georgia squad. You know, Stenson Bennett himself—he should have a movie made about him. You know, with his whole entire path to where he was, um, and undefeated in his playoff career in college you know four playoff games four victories the mvp in every single one of those games um two national titles you know this this kid did it all for georgia after being a walk-on then a junior college transfer um and what's really impressive about this georgia squad but then also scary when you think about it Derek bowers the best receiver probably in the nation. He is a sophomore. He's coming back next year. He's only a junior next year. So that Georgia offense is still going to be extremely dangerous.
1: Yeah. He's such a talented tight end um, that they use him at wide receiver as well. And it's interesting to see what the hype is going to be like next year when we're talking draft and stuff because just what two years ago really we were talking about Kyle Pitts being the most athletic and the most dominant tight end or most looking, most dominant looking kind of tight end Mm -hmm. uh, most athletic and versatile that we've seen since, you know, Tony Gonzalez and now it's like two years later we got a kid that's probably better than Kyle Pitts.
0: Um, Oh, by far better.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he has stride as a freshman and kind of amazed everybody last year. So, it'll really be interesting to kind of see what happens over these next 12 months of what the hype will be like. Of course, I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnaround in Georgia this next coming year. Quarterback situation is going to be a big one, but um, just, just seeing what's going to happen with that, and by far he was the best athlete on the field for Georgia. Hands oh down. yes, yeah. I mean,
0: Georgia just controlled that ball game from start to finish. I mean, when you have a final score of sixty-five to seven, I mean that just goes to show you. I mean, you look at it and it's it truly was a one-sided affair. Um, and you know, we we said it, TCU. Underthrown balls, overthrown balls. You know, just just couldn't get anything going. And I, I go back and watch the tape on um, you know Duggan during this game for Max, and he was just kind of out 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 of rhythm all game long. His throws were off. He just was throwing from the from the wrong foot. You know, throwing you know not set and across the field. You know, across his body. Everything. It, it just. It didn't look natural, like it had all season long for him. So, it, I don't think it was the pressure of the title game. I think it it was maybe just maybe the situation. I, I, I don't know, but I I don't think he, it was nerves. It was just it was just an off night, and unfortunately, you know, players have those nights, and for him, it just happened to be at the worst possible moment in the national title game.
1: No, exactly. Um it was just it was like I said, it was kind of the worst storm for TCU and the best storm for Georgia. Yeah. And that to me that was the best they have ever played all year. And they were and they were a good team. I earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago said I haven't seen them really detested and they played down to lower level talent sometimes. Um And I'm proud to say that they proved me wrong and I'll take that on the chin. Um, so it was nice to kind of see them just put the, you know, foot on the gas pedal and take that game over. I agree. Um, you
0: know, looking, looking back at, you know, Monday, a lot happened, you know, when it came to, you know, the game, you know, the fanfare, everything of it, um, you know, and and now the season done with one thing that I kind of always look forward to um, for the national championship day is the announcement of the college football hall of fame class. And this is a star studded class for 2023 for the college football hall of fame. You have guys Eric Berry, Michael Bishop, um, Reggie Bush, Monte Carter, Dwight Freeney, Robert uh, Gallery, LaMichael James, Derek Johnson, Paul Johnson, um, head coach of Georgia Southern Navy and Georgia Tech, um, Bill Collar, Roy Kramer, head coach of Central Michigan, 70s, Luke Kuechly, Jeremy Macklin, Terrence Mathis, Bryant McKinney, Corey Moore, uh, former head coach Mark Rick of Georgia and Miami, Michael uh, Stonebreaker, Tim Tebow, probably arguably maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the college game just for what he did for his teams, Troy Vincent, Brian Westbrook, and D'Angelo Williams. I don't think you could have asked for a better class.
1: No, not at all. That's that's an amazing
0: class. And, you know, what I love most about this class is so many of these guys, their games translated so well into the professional level as well. You know, for Tebow, he had his moments here and there. Obviously, he had the, you know, mile-high miracle with Denver. Um, But Eric Berry, you know, his time in Kansas City, um, you know, battling cancer, coming back. Um, and everything he did there. Reggie Bush, on and off, you know, with Saints. Um, Dwight Freeney, we know about his career. Um, Derek Johnson, you know, the franchise-leading tackler in Chiefs history. Um, Luke Kuechly and what he did with Carolina until his early retirement. Um, Jeremy Macklin with what he did with the Eagles. Um, You know, Brian Westbrook and then D'Angelo Williams. Just amazing just an amazing class. Um, so really excited about that. And then, you know, one thing now we get to talk about is who at the college level is maybe potentially going to look to jump to the NFL level, um, when it comes to players, but then also coaches.
1: Yeah, exactly. So,
0: but we're going to talk about that a little bit later when it comes to those coaches. Um, but I think – I think you're kind of wanting to know how we finished bowl bowl records, aren't you? Out of I 40, am. Out of 43 games. 43 games, Coach. Just just remind you. I know you love hearing that, how many bowl games there are a season. 43 of them.
1: That's ridiculous. I it's... Guess so, far, so far.
0: <laughs> And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I, I think it was uh, – Leading up into the Rose Bowl, um, you know, for College Game Day, Herb Street, Kirk Herb Street, actually had had said this and made made a very opinionated um, comment on air over College Game Day, and said that you know when ESPN took over the bowl games, there became too many, um, and he essentially called out ESPN for creating too many bowl games and not allowing you know, and having mediocre teams into bowls and them not meaning anything, but then also calling ESPN out for the way they broadcast them as well, for not giving every single game its own, you know, essentially spotlight and these games running into each other and you may be missing half a game potentially waiting for another one to finish. So if you haven't seen that, I'm sure it's out there on Twitter. Um, but definitely go out and find that find that video, um, and I'll see if I can find it and post it to our Twitter page as well. Of Herb Street's rant, essentially, you could say your opinion of the bowl games and how ESPN, you know, I like you think. Um, I, I would say that's almost ruined them. Ruined them.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they they did, and so, and I said this before, and hopefully, probably not, but this would be my last time saying it. To make these bowl games more important, let's put better teams and better games in here. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason that we can't show, like, for uh, FCS, you know, let's do the Final Four for those – for that division, you know. We can do the semifinals and then the championship. There's three bowl games right there. Let's do, you know, maybe two or three HBCU games that are, you know, conference championship games that we kind of did this year with uh, Jackson State and stuff. I Let's get certain games, better matchups into the games. Um, not everyone that goes six and six should be in a bowl. And, I have different theories on how the bowl should be um, and how you qualify. Um, I kind of would like there to be a limit per conference, um, which is kind of hard to do now because now you're expanding the playoff to twelve. So then it's like, well, can we really make a limit? Um, but I, I think you can. I, I think you still can. Um, the limit could be, you know, only four teams per conference go, and if you have teams that are in the playoff, then you don't count those. Yeah, You know, so you got Bama, Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee making it into the playoff, okay? If you have another four teams that are qualified by winning, you know, six or maybe make the limit seven games, you know, then we throw those in as – teams instead for the other bowls so that's just my idea my kind of thought on it but
0: i like it we'll definitely have to evaluate more on that you know maybe get both of us to come up with our own you know bowl system essentially um for later down the road um but back to the bowl records coach you won the bowl season I finished at 17 and 26. You finished 20 and 23. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We both were below 500, but you know what? Congrats to you, Coach. You won the bowl season.
1: Thank you. We'll have to look at what our our college record was before the bowls.
0: Oof. I know we missed one or two weeks, but yeah, we'll have to go
1: back and look at that. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, we'll have to look at that, and then we can even combine those as well for a third status. Because I'm pretty sure you beat me in the regular season.
0: I'm pretty sure too. You know, I'm pretty good with the regular season picks. Um, and speaking of that, you know, I college is okay. You know what? Before we leave college. And we were talking about bowl games, and you mentioned your FCS and everything. When, let me ask you, when was the FCS national title game? Do you know?
1: When was what?
0: When was the FCS national title game? When was it played?
1: I think it was played the weekend before, wasn't it? No,
0: it was this past Sunday.
1: Oh, okay, so it was, so
0: it was, was it the was, night before yeah, so – and did – there's there's no advertisement. There's no fanfare about it or anything. Like, that's what's what's terrible is it's still Division I football, but because it's not the FBS, it's not the playoffs, it's not the college football playoffs, but it's the original college football playoffs is really what it is mm-hmm. because they've been doing the playoffs well before anyone else except for the NAIA. You know, um, they've been doing it correctly, and yet there's no, there's no fanfare or anything around, around it. And this year was a hell of a matchup. It was already a, a, a you know, a rematch from in the season, but it was North Dakota State against South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits against the Bison. You know, I bet that was an amazing game. And the Jackrabbits won. And here's what's really crazy about it, though. The Bison, you know, they've won, I think, what, seven out of the last nine or something like that national titles and have yep. been, in, been in like 10 out of the last 11. So, I mean, that just goes to show you, and they've, cha- they've had multiple different head coaches during this time, too. So that just goes to show you at the level of F- FCS, the, um, the commitment these players have, And the tradition these schools have as well, and I think they need more respect, and they need you know a a better garnership of viewers and support as well, because they're constantly thrown on like ESPN three or ESPNU or not getting any coverage
1: at all. Yeah, that's that's sad because every once in a while you'll see one of those games pop up, but it's I mean you got to have like ESPN plus or Hulu live to get those games, and there's no, like you said, there's no advertisement really about it. Um, Just like the NEIA, you know, that used to be on, like, ESPN3 or ESPN News or something, mm-hmm. or the championship game, or you had to have ESPN+, Plus and it was on one of those little networks. Um, And I didn't see it on there this year. So, and that might have been on there, but not very well public. Puzzle size Um, And so Yeah Like I said There's changes That can be made And hopefully Will be sometime I hope so too So
0: Let's now get on to it College football seasons Done and over with We'll definitely hit college You know Here and there As we get into the off season Everything else You know With Player moves Players Declaring for the draft Pro days Everything else like that But it is now time to look at our NFL regular season records as Week 18 finished and the regular season is done. As we get into the playoffs, and um, it's time to quote, uh, quote, you know, Coach Mora of the Colts playoffs, playoffs, talking playoffs. How, how was that? Was that was that good?
1: That was pretty good.
0: Okay. Okay. I, I, I feel like for Mora, you got to kind of channel coach K a bit. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so regular season NFL records for us, coach. Um, you finished the regular season 52, 39 and one. Um, now I did drop a game from our records. Um, and that obviously was the Buffalo and Cincinnati game Um, because that game was canceled because of the circumstances and everything else that happened in week 17 um, did not count it a tie, a loss win or anything for either one of us. Um, So that was stricken from our records. Um, So you finished the regular season 52, 39 and one. I finished the regular season 58, 33 and one. So great performance by both of us. Um, in the regular season on picks. And you actually wrapped up uh, the regular season with a perfect week. Hey, there we go. So, um, you know, I'm kind of upset with you with that perfect week because obviously you had picked the Seahawks to win, which then obviously knocked out the lions from playoff contentions. Um, You know, and I'm, I'm still so proud of the lions though. And we're going to talk about this here in just a second. Um, you know, but with what they did and, you know, everything there played spoiler. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's get into the week 18 recap. Um, so first of all, obviously I'm going to mention my chiefs. They were the first game, um, back in the NFL, um, since the DeMar Hamlin incident. Um, so it is very, uh, you know, somber moment. Honestly, um, beginning of the game, especially with the moment of cheer for Damar Hamlin, I would, uh, as I would call it, um, you know, all the players wearing their Hamlin gear, um, awesome. Um, you know, I, I think Allegiant Stadium was probably the only stadium I saw this weekend though that did not have um, the three on the 30-yard line, you know, anywhere on the field, outlined and highlighted in blue. Every other yeah. stadium, every other stadium did that, and I, I think Allegiant Stadium was the only one
1: that didn't. So what the hell, Raiders? Which that could have been. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that in times, and it probably didn't get approved for various, you know, reasons or
0: whatever. But oh, I'm sure it got a. It, it it's just the Raiders not wanting to do anything. Yeah. Um, because it's the Raiders, but the Chiefs lock up the number one seed 31 to 13 victory over the Raiders. And a lot of people are pissed about what happened in the game. I absolutely love it because it's the creativity of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the rest of that offense coming to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy with plays and, you know, just the way they work after practice coming to coach Reed with these plays going, Hey, you know, what about this? And so they debuted Snow Globe, as Mahomes called it. They so they come out of the huddle, do a kind of ring around the rosy type thing. And I go back and I watch that tape, watch the replay. I see no holding calls at all on that offensive line. They called a holding on Creed Humphrey. He wasn't holding anyone. Orlando Brown wasn't holding anyone. Joe Tooney wasn't holding anyone. Neither was, you know, Trey Smith or uh, you know, um Oh, our uh, right tackle. Um, I, I think it was uh, Wiley. I, you know, I, I, he wasn't holding anyone either. So I upset that it didn't work. You know, they didn't get the score because of the flag of the non-holding that there there wasn't a holding. Um, but then the next play, they come out and s- still get uh, Kadarius Tony his touchdown. But well, I mean, what did you think of that play? It, what? Is it right for players to be pissed with it, you know, and them calling out the Chiefs saying that it's immature, or are they still just having fun and it's the Chiefs of, like, 2019?
1: Um, I can kind of see where, you know, you kind of complain about it being immature and whatever. Was it silly? Yes. Um, is it kind of dumb? Yeah, of course. But – It didn't hurt anybody. It didn't – it was nothing to be disrespectful about. It was just a formation, basically a wildcat formation to help you not be able to set up your defense. That's all it was.
0: Yeah, and the only thing that made it different, because if they would have just lined up out of the normal huddle – like that, I'm sure there would have been no complaints. But it's because of them doing the kind of ring around the rosy type thing is what has people pissed.
1: Yeah. So, so other than that, I, I, it's just people complaining to complain. Um, yeah. Nothing big about it. Now, I think probably the best moment of
0: this whole entire weekend was the opening kickoff to the Bills. Patriots game. Naheem Hines. That, that is awesome. I mean, that, that is an absolute storybook writing to start the game. I mean, to take it 96 yards to the house on the opening kickoff of the game in Buffalo, the team DeMar Hamlin plays for. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, not only did he tweet out – at the very beginning of the game going, you know, let's go. And then he tweets out as the kickoff is happening, going OMFG, you know, it is, it was perfect. And then for Heinz to do it a second time in the game as well, 102 yards, Buffalo really just came out and gave it their all. And, you know, I, I, I thought this game, you know, up till the third quarter was going to be a great ball game and new England had a shot to win. And then Josh Mm -hmm. Allen and, you know, Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, just said, hey, nope, let's let's show them what we have.
1: No, I thought that was tremendous. Um, It was (coughs) a way to get a kickoff return. I think they talked about it. It only happened four times this year until that game. Their first one since 2018. Yeah, so it's – definitely something that's rare and then for two to happen in a game is tremendous yeah Um, especially for a guy that literally we didn't know was going to be in the NFL much longer you know because if I'm right he was at the Colts kind of bounced around wasn't really you know was a starter not a starter hurt not hurt and then ends up getting traded and lo and behold finds you know special team spot on the roster and comes up big for them in a in a kind of a must win game really yeah for the bills cuz they they've had some questionable games lately and they needed a good just rally cry win before playoffs
0: they they really did you know one to boost the morale get everything back get get everyone back into this great spirits But then too, like you said, must win game. I mean, if if they would have lost that game, you know, it puts them a game behind Kansas City essentially. um, You know, when it comes to win percentage. And so, if there was a Kansas City Buffalo, or if there is to be a Kansas City Buffalo AFC title game with Buffalo had lose, if they would have lost, then that game would be played in Kansas City. But now with Buffalo winning. Kansas City and Buffalo, if they meet in the AFC title game, will be played at a neutral site no matter what now. Yeah, wait. so. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. You still don't like it. I'm on the fence about it, but because of the circumstances, I, I like it. it, it it's, it's one of those things. Um, so, amazing game for the Bills. You know, ruined the hopes for the Patriots. Kept hopes alive then for the Dolphins and the Steelers um, for playoff hopes. And if you're Mike Tomlin, you know, or a Steelers fan, you're seeing your team control the Browns and Mike Tomlin gets a victory. And it is now 16 straight seasons in his 16th season as a head coach that he's had a winning record. Mm -hmm. That, that right there is unbelievable. So Steelers were able to get the job done against the Browns. And then it was, you know, looking at the, looking at the Jets. And that game,
1: Ooh, that was an ugly game. Yeah. Not pretty on any front.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was what? Six to nine or six to Mm -hmm. six. And then, you know, Dolphins get a late field goal and it's, it's then six to nine Jets have the ball, they try and do, you know, their own type of lateral play. And I I think the final score ended up being 11 to six because the ball ended up in the end zone and either the Jets kicked it out of the end zone or they recovered it in there and got tackled. And it is an absolutely terrible game. Um, You know, LaFleur now, um, the younger brother of Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, um, He's been let go of as of the offensive coordinator for the Jets as of just about uh, 30, 40 minutes ago of us recording this podcast um, here on Wednesday uh, evening. Um, So he was let go by the Jets. Um, So then Miami wins. That means Steelers are now out of the playoffs and Miami gets into the playoffs. Tua Tungavailoa not going to play. Still in concussion protocol. Good. Keep him shut down. He shouldn't play at all. Um, then you've got uh, Teddy Bridgewater. He is still out with a, uh, I think, a dislocated finger, I think it is. Yeah. And so you're going to be starting Skylar Thompson in this ball game. which, don't get me wrong, Skylar Thompson has done good things in the games he's played. But You're going up against the Bills in Buffalo in a playoff game. The Dolphins don't stand a chance.
1: Well, we've said that before, and the Dolphins have surprised us.
0: Um, But they also had Tua Tagovailoa playing at the time, too.
1: No, exactly. And I know they want Tua to come back um, just football-wise, you know, to play the game, give them the best shot. But same thing, like you said, I – Best thing for them is for Tua to sit for the rest of the year and stay healthy. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to come back, and I think he's going to be the uh, quarterback for this game. But I think they're still, I think they're still uh, waiting for approval from the doctor. Um, you you can play with a dislocated finger. Um, the problem is. You know, gripping the ball and grip strength—really, that—that's what it comes down to.
0: And well, and then when you get down to it, if he has to go under center, that makes it even more difficult with the dislocated. You know, especially if you may have a bad snap connection there and your mm-hmm. finger gets jammed or something, it just makes it even worse. Um, so, if anything, if I'm if I'm the Dolphins, I'm I'm going to go into this ball game with Skyler Thompson, game plan with him this week. Um, have him be your number one in practice. You know, if Teddy can go, then great. Um, you know, he already knows the offense. The players know him and everything. But the players are used to Skyler from the last couple weeks. So let's roll with him going into this game against Buffalo.
1: Now, what is – now, what's your thought? If, if Tua is cleared and can come back, how does that change? Oh, he, he's their... already been
0: he's already been ruled out.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that now... that was kind of still up for discussion a little uh, couple no. of days ago. Yeah, no, they they ruled
0: him out today. Um, there's there's no chance of him coming back to play at all the rest of this season. Um, or, or you know, if 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 they that's if they do win, I, I don't think he's coming back at all the rest of the season. If they if they do win and get make it to the divisional round um but th- th- he has been ruled out for the wild card um and if if I'm the dolphins and we do win I'm still keeping I'm still sitting to uh you know his health is more important we we've, we've already seen you know what has happened this year with him with multiple concussions and yeah. I'm not taking any more chances you've you've invested in him you know thinking he's your franchise quarterback if you want to continue that then You invest in his health now and you get him seen by doctors that are leaders in the neurological industry and get his head right and figure out what it's going to take to protect it as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been talks the NFL is getting ready to come out with a quarterback, you know, a, a helmet made specifically for quarterbacks that is actually going to have extra padding in the back. Of the helmets as well, um, for when they do, because that's typically how a quarterback gets their concussions, is from that whiplash effect when their back of their head hits onto the turf or onto you know the the grass surface. Um, right. So they're looking into a helmet that should come out within the next year or two um, that you will see, you know, from all the NFL quarterbacks should switch to. You know, they'll probably stay with their current models but be updated with this new padding and everything. Um, but it's something the NFL's researching right now and going through the test on. Um, so as soon as they get that out, I, I think they the quarterbacks need to go for it.
1: Well, and if you remember, you know, Manning – Peyton Manning was kind of the first one to use the um, the speed flex. mm mm-hmm. And he used it because it was the most advanced and they believed it was going to be the best thing to help protect him with his head and his neck. And so if they come out with something, you know, specialized for quarterbacks in that scenario, I think that's a great option. I think it's a matter of time until it's kind of not pushed, but it is uh, sought after by other positions as well. Yes,
0: so I mean, I'm sure we'll see it in the future for the offensive and defensive line to where they're probably going to have some extra padding you know put into the front of the helmets because that is a constant collision right there you know in the in the frontal lobes um, you know so that, that's something definitely for us to keep an eye on um with the r and d side of things with the n f l um, look at, a little bit more into as the off season um, gets closer um, but yeah, so. Miami Dolphins, they make the playoffs. Steelers eliminated. Tomlin gets his 16th consecutive winning record. Patriots eliminated from playoff contention. Um, So you're seeding in the AFC playoff picture. Kansas City number one, Buffalo number two, Um, Cincinnati number three. The coin toss effect for Cincinnati and Baltimore is null and void because Cincinnati won that ballgame if Baltimore would have won then we would have had a coin toss to determine where that game for the wild card round would have been played. Um, Your fourth seed is Jacksonville as they beat um, Tennessee Saturday night um, and won the uh, AFC South. Your five seed is uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Your sixth seed is Miami. And then your seventh seed um, is – Oh, gosh. Blankin, Blankin, Blankin. No, your sixth seed is the Ravens, and then your seventh seed is the Dolphins. Yes. So that is your AFC playoff picture. So now we look at the NFC and what happened um, in Week 18. And so we talked about the Seahawks. They won. It took them into overtime, though, to win that ballgame. Baker Mayfield and the Rams, they played a great game. Um, Some costly mistakes at the end of the ballgame, though, when it comes to Jalen Ramsey, you know, that late hit on Geno Smith. Some kind of argue was a justifiable call, though, because Geno was still running forward. He hadn't truly given himself up yet. And Jalen was just kind of standing there and braced for an impact. He didn't set himself out to truly, you know, Lay him out because Gina was still running forward and was just starting to go out of bounds as they made contact. So was it a justifiable, you know, personal foul late hits on a quarterback? I I think it could go either way, but because of the way the league calls these fouls, we're going to see that called in favor of the
1: quarterback. Yeah, I I, I saw it. And I didn't really agree with it. Um, same thing. At a certain point. The offensive player is the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And you
0: saw Gino lower, him, lower his, his, his body into that hit as well.
1: Exactly. And, and that's, the ro- that, that's what I don't like about this rule. Because if you remember when the targeting and everything first happened, the big question was, can it be called on an offensive player, like a running Oops. back who is trying to truck a player? And lowers his center of gravity and lowers his body, because then you are initiating the hit by lowering yourself. And typically what is leading the way is your head, if not your shoulder.
0: But yeah. So I mean, we we talk about the targeting, what could, what could it be, you know, and and was the Jalen Ramsey hit, you know, justifiable. Um, you know, we both see it that it probably wasn't, you know, a justifiable call. Um, But it shaped things in this ballgame and and set it up for Seattle to where they were able to, you know, potentially get a game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. Um, And luckily for the Rams, it kept their hopes alive because they missed the kick. Um, But then you get down into overtime, Baker Mayfield, you know, I think it was a great play, great throw and everything. It, it probably could have been, you know, a little bit more, you know, maybe. I, I, it, it was more of a high arcing throw. It could have been a little bit lower um, on target. And that's why, you know, um, gosh, I'm blanking on the safety's name now. Um, that made the play. He came over from Detroit. Um, to the Seahawks uh, this year actually in free agency, um, but made that interception in overtime um, that then set the Seahawks up. Um, But other than that, I I think if that pass would have been completed, we would have seen the Rams win this ball game. Um, And then you get down into that Seattle's drive in overtime and the no
1: call. Contrary digs.
0: Yes, yes, digs. Contrary digs. And you get down onto Seattle's drives in and the no call on what should have been an intentional grounding. And it was on a third down. I think it was like third and seven. Gino is still in the tackle box and he throws it and it doesn't even get anywhere close to the line of scrimmage, no receivers or anything in the area either. And they don't call an intentional grounding on that. That is probably one of the worst missed calls um, this year in such a crucial game as well.
1: yeah I there's been a lot of interesting uh, intentional grinding calls this year, which just not being accurate, not being consistent. Um, So I I think that hopefully is going to be something that we look at in the offseason of what. It it needs needs to be reevaluated. Yeah. And
0: it's almost something that I would like to see that could be potentially a a challengeable play. Yes. Or or reviewable by the booth um, to where if, you know, it's not called by the refs but there's a potential of it. The booth still reviews it and could call down to the field judge and say, Hey, no, we actually do need to make that call. Correct. So, um, so yeah, so that then sets Seattle up for the game winning field goal and that field goal is good and knocks Detroit's hopes for a playoff berth out the window. But, all is not lost for Detroit because you still get to play spoiler for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers because that's a division rival. And if I'm I'm my if I'm me, you know, or if I'm the Detroit Lions, I don't want to see a division rival make the playoffs over me. Do you? Absolutely not. Exactly. I mean, that's like us. If we're going, you know, if we were playing, you know, Kansas Westland for a playoff spot on the line or something like that. And we needed something to happen for us to get into the playoffs. And, you know, then all Kansas Westland has to do is win or something like that to make the playoffs. And then, you know, we're not, we were not just going to give up for K-Dub to make it. So, I mean, it's kind of that type of situation. And I love that the Lions came out and they played their asses off. And, How can you not love Jamal Williams?
1: Oh, he's so, (laughs) he's such a funny
0: guy. Like this dude is so animated. um, And that is not a pun at all. You know, with him being into anime at all. Um, No. He is like, (laughs) he does not watch TV. And he makes that known in his interviews. I don't watch TV, but I hear y'all talking about us. We dogs and we're going to eat like that. I love that attitude. Um, you know, just the way he is, he sets the lions all time uh, you know, season record for touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns this year, breaks the great Barry Sanders record. Um, so amazing for him to be able to do that. And what's even better is that he got to do this against his former team, the green Bay Packers. Yeah, who really kind of gave up on him and shipped him out. So, um, awesome for him. But even what I think is better for this Lions squad is the faith and support they have put in to Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, that was a guy that was kind of written off. So, is. It's pretty cool to see uh, see him have some success.
0: Yes, and you know it'll be interesting to see what they do with the number six overall pick in the draft. You know, and you're kind of questioning, well, how do they have number one six, number six pick, with them finishing with a nine and eight record um, and barely missing the playoffs? Well, that's because they have that pick um, in a trade from. uh, Oh, they got it from. Yes, the Rams. Yep, um, because Denver's pick went to Seattle. Um, there, there's the we're going to have to break down the play the 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 draft order madness that there is from all these trades that happened this past offseason and just probably do a show about that because I mean this whole entire draft order is nuts because of that alone um, in the first round. So yeah, Lions played. No.
1: Li- we'll definitely have to do that cuz i think this is one of the more crazy years that we've had in a while
0: it is it really is um so lions play spoilers to the packers and we're not going to talk about it this episode we're going to take, give it a, give it a few weeks maybe wait until after the Super bowl um but just to put it in your mind and kind of hear your initial thoughts, the way Aaron Rodgers walked off of that field Sunday night, you know, Jamison Williams asked him for his jersey and he says, I've got to hold on to this one. And then the way he just kind of somberly walks off the field, his eyes looking everywhere, just really slow taking everything in, and then walking off the field with Randall Cobb the way they did. I, I do you think that it signifies it's done in Green Bay or it's done in his career?
1: I think it's more Green Bay than career. Now career is a possibility but I think it's more done with Green Bay than it is career.
0: Okay. I, I, I definitely think it's it's done in Green Bay. Part of me thinks it's, it's it's also done in the career but like I said, we're going to get more into that maybe here in a few weeks, maybe might be a good topic going into the Pro Bowl show. Um, since, you know, we'll, we'll have just be able to discuss the AFC title, a, the title games going into the Pro Bowl and stuff like that. So might might be a good good topic for that show. Um, your Cowboys coach, what the hell?
1: Yeah, I'm, that was just so disappointing. That,
0: that, that was true Cowboys playoff form right there. Before the playoffs even started. Yeah. So now do you, Jerry Jones came out and said on, you know, his, his normal local sports talk show that he does down here in Dallas every week. He came out and said today, um, when asked the question about Mike McCarthy, if he lose, if they lose the game this weekend against the Buccaneers, is that going to determine, you know, his job security? And he goes, I have a lot more, Uh, to evaluate him on than just one playoff game. If I'm Cowboys fans, how do you read into that? Also knowing that Sean Payton is wanting to come back and coach and he wants to, you know, has made it adamant in the past that he would love to coach for the Cowboys. So how are you reading into
1: this coach? Um, I think it's an interesting take, but I think it's something really crazy would have to happen in the playoff game for him to get let go, I think.
0: Probably another uh, botched time clock, time management situation like last year.
1: No, I think it would be more, possibly, but I think it would be more of just getting blown out, I think would be more of the possibility. Okay. Um, Because it, and and maybe so, I don't know, because maybe he wants Sean, he'd rather have Sean Payton, um, which brings in a weird dynamic with Dan Quinn we've already kind of talked about that being the possibility of replacement. Um, so I'm not really sure, but I think honestly the best the best thing is to true truly reevaluate head coach and offense coordinator. Defensive wise, Dan Quinn has produced. Yes. Um, Especially when he's lost talent, he's still produced really well. So I don't think that is a position that needs to be removed unless you promote him. Um, But other than that, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting.
0: It, it will, and you know we'll touch on the game, the game coming up against the Buccaneers uh, Monday night on uh, ESPN a little bit more as we get down into the predictions. Um, so Cowboys no show against the Washington Commanders and Sam Howell, the third third string yeah third stringer um, for the Commanders got the start and gets the victory. I'd like to see what his win incentive is um, as Taylor Taylor Heineke gets. Uh, you know, the custom Jordans colorway in the opponent's colors, Carson Wentz probably gets a roll of bubble wrap for whatever he wins, um, to just add on to his body armor. Um, so I'd like to see what Sam Howe got, um, as a win incentive. Um, and then staying in the NFC East, the Eagles, they locked up the number one seed, um, against the giants, the giants obviously going into this ball game, like we had, um, predicted we're going to rest a majority of their starters um, because they already locked up a playoff spot. The Eagles though, they were still vying for the number one seed, the NFC East championship. Um, So they, they still had stuff to play for. Um, Now, was it as good of a ball game for the Eagles as you would like to have seen? Not at all. Um, Was it a good game from Hertz? I I don't think so. Um, So, It'll be interesting to see how this bye week does for the Eagles squad going into the divisional round. Um, But they were able to lock up um, the one seed. And then we get down into the bottom of the barrel of the NFL. If you're the Houston Texans, the fans are absolutely pissed about this. You, if you, if, I, I think the front office is pissed about this, but if I'm a player, if I'm a coach, I'm playing to win no matter what. That's what I get paid to go out and do every single week. So kudos, co, co, uh, kudos to Lovey Smith and the Texans for going out and getting the victory against the Colts and doing what they had to do. Now, did it cost them the number one pick? Hell yeah, it did.
1: No, it did, but it – I mean, it, it just had to happen. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I I don't think you can go out there and just tank. And we, we've we seen already the ramifications of a team being told to tank and, and what could happen. You know, we, we saw that happen with the Dolphins going into the season. As the owner was suspended, you know, the first 10 games of the season and the team received fines and, you know, I think missed some draft picks and stuff like that going into the next couple years. Um, So we've seen what the NFL could do if they find out if a team is tanking. Um, But then for Lovey, – we'll talk about this here in a moment. But for Lovey Smith to get fired after this season, I I think it's totally wrong. No, it's terrible. Like he was building a good foundation there. Did it happen towards the end of the season? Yes. But if you continue with that momentum into the off season and into OTAs and training camp and mini camp and everything else, that's only setting yourself up for better success into the next season. And Lovey Smith is a coach. I would want to have leading my team. I mean, he has had success.
1: So no, I think he's one of the. I think he's one of the better coaches in the NFL. Um, he's he's um, underrated. He, yeah, and he's just been at programs that don't care about winning as much, and so it's kind of shown. Um, and sadly, you know. He's been
0: the... He's been the scapegoat. So... And, you know, it's been 16 years now since he led the... uh, Rex Grossman-led Chicago Bears team to the Super Bowl against a Peyton Manning-led Indianapolis Colts team. Like, think about that. Lovey Smith turned Rex Grossman into a Super Bowl contending quarterback. yeah like that that right there is is it says something um, so unfortunately Lovey Smith gets canned um, the Texans though they go to the number two spot in the draft and the Chicago Bears they lose but they win the lottery um, for the number one overall pick um, with the Texans winning so, a lot happened in week eighteen, Coach. It, there was a lot. So, a lot happened. Um, but we'll uh, we'll get into our head coach. Um, you know, let you know firings now. Not not as many as I, I have, have expected yet. You know, there's still some moves that I think are going to happen that may take a few more weeks as well um you know we had our mid-season firings with Matt Rule, Frank Reich, um and then Nathaniel Hackett being let go um you know what was that week 15 um and then Lovey Smith late Sunday night early Monday morning um and then Cliff Kingsbury as well so i great move for Arizona to let go of Cliff Kingsbury um Terrible, though, that you just paid him a major extension, and now you're sitting on all that money to pay him as well over the next several years. Mm-hmm. So there Arizona's made some bad decisions when it's come to contracts for coaches and players here as of late. Um, so, I mean, and then, then you look at what could potentially happen with Sean McVay. He's already telling his coaches, I have given you permission to go out and job hunt because I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And in all honesty, I think Sean McVay hangs it up. He does not want to go through a rebuild. I mean, this dude is, I think, what, 36 years old, and he's already looking like he's in his mid-40s because of the stress this job has put on him. He is still a young kid, and if I'm him, you know, relax, go spend time with your family, get into broadcasting. If that's what you want to do, you know, become the next Gruden, but just don't send emails. Right. So, um, but I, do you, do you think McVeigh's going to step away?
1: Um, I think it's possible. I think it depends on what's going to happen with the off season. Um, to me, it also – it kind of looks bad that you you push for all these trades to get these players and then, you know, quote, sold out, unquote, uh, to get that championship. You couldn't uh, do a back-to-back. And then now that you have to look at possibly rebuilding because of the financial trouble you're in and the physical limitations on your championship quarterback now you have no you have nothing to rebuild with yeah and so I think it's the easy way out for him to step away and go I don't really want to rebuild. Well of course you don't because there's nothing there to rebuild with mm-hmm. you know unless you trade away Ramsey and you trade away Aaron Donald, which won't happen. I think he'll retire before he gets traded. Yeah, um, I, I think you, Donald retires this year. Yeah, you can't trade away Matt Stafford. There's no value there. Uh, you can maybe trade away Cam, Cam Akers but you just got him and you have him for cheap. Um,
0: so Cooper Cups coming off of a major knee injury. So I mean, there's yeah, you
1: don't have a lot to work with. Yeah. And it's all due to you selling, selling the house to get the championship, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it just – it's upsetting to see a coach do that and then when push comes to shove, leave because it's, it's going to get too tough to maintain the success. Like, yeah. that's part of being a coach. So – the- Just to win – then obviously you're not a good enough coach.
0: The way I kind of look at that, you know, the way we just described what how Los Angeles got that championship, it's almost the baseball mentality, the baseball trade, line, trade deadline mentality. You know, you look at almost every single year, whoever's your World Series contenders, right around the trade deadline, they're making the blockbuster moves to go out those – get those pieces that could potentially set up their roster, their bullpen – their pitching rotation, anything, um, or solidify their offense or defense, um, you know, to make it to where they're almost a lock to win the world series. We saw the Royals do this in 2015 going out, um, getting Ben Zobris, Johnny Cueto, um, you know, and then they had, you know, Holland Davis and Herrera in the bullpen already. Um, so you see teams do this every year, but so it it makes that correlation in my mind that baseball mentality almost of a of a baseball manager and a baseball GM with what McVeigh and Les Snead have done with the Rams in LA um, to sell out for that uh, Super Bowl victory. And part of me almost for the Rams, if I if I'm a fan of this team, I'm almost wanting at this point because McVeigh has expressed he doesn't want to do a rebuild that I'd almost rather have a new coach just because I'd rather start this rebuild with a coach to where he can implement his system, his way with these players going into this rebuild and everyone can build together on it instead of, you know, going from McVeigh starting this rebuild and then it abruptly ending and switching to someone else as we're, you know, maybe two, three years into this rebuild and now all of a sudden things are changing. We got to go, nope, this is how it's going to be. Let's, let's go ahead and make the switch now and get the new process started, get the new system going in-house in, in, in um, and maybe it speeds
1: up the rebuild for us. Right, which makes sense. So. Um, to touch on Arizona real quick, so I tweeted this back uh, on Monday on the night and kind of just put my five, five guys to kind of look into as the next head coach. Um, and I'll quickly run through it real quick. Number one, Dan Quinn, uh, Cowboys defense coordinator, former head coach of the Falcons, took to the Super Bowl, defensive minded guy. I think Arizona, like I said before, is kind of the NFC version of the Falcons, uh, or is the West Coast version of the Falcons. Um, just dome atmosphere. They're in a. I think the big difference is is not a football state, really. Arizona is always kind of referred to as like a retirement-type place um, because it's warm and they don't have to deal with winters and stuff. It's definitely a baseball atmosphere. Yeah, and I think this is an organization – what are you doing? Um, I think this is an organization that does want to win, and we've seen them put the money towards it. And I think the Cardinals do have a really good young defense that could – be something that Dan Quidd could, could really have fun with and maybe look for a championship in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, Frank Smith, offense coordinator for the Dolphins. We've seen him do a lot of special things um, with Tua and stuff like that and with them being Tyree Kale now. And so with the weapons that Arizona has, good matchup there. Brian Rutherford, offense coordinator for the Buccaneers. Uh, we've seen him with an older quarterback. Mm-hmm. We've seen him a little bit with James Winston. So I'd, I'd like to see how he would match up with Kelly um, Murray. And then number four, Lou, I'm going to butcher his name, and Narumo, the Bengals defense coordinator. loved what he's been able to do the last couple of years. And then number five, just for fun. And I think it's a small possibility, but I I don't think it's something that would happen this year, and that's why I'm a little surprised Arizona pulled the trigger so quickly on uh, Cliff, but Lincoln Riley, Arizona uh, USC's uh, head coach right now.
0: So interesting, interesting five there for Arizona Um, that you've got their eyes pegged on. you look at for the rest of the coaching vacancies um, in the league kind of names that are popping up, um, you know, and this, this is just another five. Um, and one of those names is on your list, obviously is Dan Quinn. Um, if he's not mentioned in head coaching conversations this year, um, whether it be for, you know, obviously Arizona, um, Denver, um, Carolina, Indy, Houston, um, then there, there's some, there's some issues um, because Dan Quinn has definitely earned himself a spot to get back to the head coaching ranks. Um, Jim Harbaugh, he has just interviewed um, this past, this week with Denver. I'm um, a virtual interview, probably going to be doing an in-person interview here shortly as well. Um, Denver is also then interested um, still with um, Sean Payton and Sean Payton is still under contract with the saints. For two more years. Um, yes, he retired, but he still has two years left on that contract. So the Saints have already given permission to Denver to talk with Peyton and to interview him. That is going to be happening, I believe, on the 17th or has to happen after the 17th for an in person interview. Um, and Denver's already came out and said, we're willing to give up, you know, first round picks for Sean Peyton. Um, of course they are. So. It would be, I think, the second time in NFL history that I know of, or at least in modern history, um, in the past, you know, two decades that a coach has been traded. Um, John Gruden from the Raiders to the um, Buccaneers, um, and now potentially um, Sean Payton to wherever he goes to. Um, an interesting name that is popping up, though, and I I hadn't thought about it until I heard this one um, just last night. Is David Shaw, the former head coach for Stanford, he hmm. knows the NFL system in and out. You know because he actually used to be and at the NFL level before he went to Stanford. Um, so he knows what it takes to be at the NFL level, um, what it demands, and everything else. Now, and he has, it, and the who I heard this from, you know, it, when I was watching this, Scott Pioli. And Pioli is probably one of the better GMs to ever be in the NFL. And with him, and very, very good friends, you know, with um, David Shaw. So for Pioli to come out and say, hey, you know, be, be on the lookout. David Shaw might be on the radar of some teams is a really good indication that th- this make could potentially happen. And I think he could be a good fit at a, at a team like Indy or arizona you have it's a young team to where he can go in or even houston houston could be a good fit too yeah you've got you've
1: got him him and harbaugh i really like as the colts and we know harbaugh has connections with the colts Mm -hmm. so yeah that that's nice and houston shaw with houston would be really really interesting to me
0: it would i mean you you've got to have a young a young squad for david shaw to where he can go in and you know, really instill his his work ethic into because that's what he did at Stanford. And he's overcome adversity. I mean, he didn't get the type of players, you know, that other schools get because of, you know, we've talked about this, the education requirements at Stanford. And so he's able to overcome adversities and put the best product on the field and still win um, with not the best players. So I would love to see how he does with the young squad and a Houston indianapolis arizona type situation um Demico ryan the defensive coordinator for the 49ers is an, another name that's popping up um really really getting strong considerations for carolina um, and i think that would be a great fit but steve wilkes he needs to have st- strong consideration as well after what he did with that carolina squad after taking over um from Matt rule mm-hmm. so absolutely um, so, yeah, a lot, lot to digest there with, uh, you know, the head coaching moves um, and then potential candidates and everything else with these openings and potentially more openings coming um, down the pipe as well. Coach, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. It's Super Wild Card Weekend, and there are six games, two on Saturday Three on Sunday and one on Monday night. And we're going to get it started with the Seattle Seahawks going to the San Francisco 49ers. Now real quick though, before we get these predictions going, all six of these games, what do they have in co- what what do they have in common this year? All six of these games? Uh, I'm not sure. They are all a rematch from the regular season,
1: mm.
0: so I believe yeah. that is the first time since 2009 this has happened in the playoffs, um, in the wild card round. So um, we get, you know, revenge matchups. Essentially, you could call it. Um, it's it's a super revenge wild card week weekend, if that's what we want to
1: call it. I think that's really um, awesome. Like, that, that just makes it a little more special, really, to, in my eyes.
0: It does. It, it, it's a little bit more meaningful for each one of these teams. And the fact that some, you know, you have three, three out of the six games are divisional matchups as well. Yeah. So that, that just makes it even more fun. Um, so, Seahawks and 49ers, coach. I, I I think the 49ers, they're just they're hitting the strides at the right time. Who would have ever thought Brock Purdy could step up and lead this team the way he has uh, after Jimmy Garoppolo um, broke his foot, It just shows you what Kyle Shanahan can do with a quarterback, especially placing a quarterback into the right system. And so I think yeah. the 49ers control this ball game. 38 17 and move on into the divisional
1: round. No, they he has done really well with Brock Birdie and almost makes you think what what's going to be off season move. Um, at quarterback, you know, I don't think Jimmy's coming back because I what was his contract just a one year deal, one year deal, yeah, and so.
0: Because they're they, still bought correct. into
1: Trey Lance. Exactly. So you still have Trey Lance. Um, I. So it's interesting to see what will happen. Because I think Brock Purdy is more of your system guy. And he might have a little bit of a ceiling left that he can reach. But I think Trey Lance is your more... He's more raw. He has a bigger ceiling. He could be that special guy that can maybe be the difference maker um, for this team to be a championship team for years. See, Brock Purdy kind of looks like more of a – he could be a playoff guy for years, if that makes sense. I, I, I can see that. I mean, I, I
0: see where you're – but I, I just – I see what the, what you're trying to say. Is is what I should say. Um, I, I just don't see it though with Trey Lance. I'm not bought into him. I I don't think he has that potential. Um, or at least in the San Francisco system, I I don't think he's a good fit. Um, and you know, to compare apples to apples, is Brock Purdy maybe more of your, you know, Philip Rivers type guy potentially. Um, but is Trey Lance going to be your Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen? I I don't know yet. I I don't think so. I just I just don't see it. And he's going to come. He's got a long way to come back from a devastating knee injury. Um, you know that he suffered in, in the first play of the season, essentially. So to see how he can recover from that is really going to see say how he does the rest of his career. Because, I mean, this is the type of injury that we saw Teddy Bridgewater suffer. Yeah. And look what it did to Teddy's career. You know, Teddy had that same type of untapped raw potential. And look at him now. He's been a, a veteran, you know, bench guy. You know, stepping up and, you know, mentoring guys instead. Um, which, no, no knock to Teddy Bridgewater at all. But it, when you have an injury at this point in your career that is such a devastating injury, and you're one of these raw talent guys,
1: mm-hmm. it, it
0: can either really say do good things for your career, or it can, you know, send it down down the drain in, in an instance. And I just don't see Trey Lance, you know, with amounting, you know, to the level that you may see it as.
1: I could understand that I can I see that but so. anyways uh get back to the scores um, I still think Brock Purdy is going to be um, a good manager in this game and I think with the defense putting pressure on Seattle uh, with the Seahawks I'm gonna go 49ers 31 Seahawks 17.
0: all right I like it we've got uh, you know both of us moving the 49ers on into the divisional round Um, next matchup is the Saturday night matchup Um, this one is going to be on NBC and uh, this one we have the LA Chargers going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars out of Duval County (laughs) I like this matchup but the only thing that worries me if I'm a Chargers fan is the health of this team and you played your in almost your your starters the entire ball game essentially against denver and look what happened that's what scares me yeah and i think this jaguar squad is just playing great ball at the right time they've got a great coach with doug peterson he's meshing well with trevor lawrence travis Etienne's doing great things you know DJ Shark um, you know just good weapons all around on this team i think the jaguars come away with the victory 33-27 in this one
1: now you you know how much i i, I really like the jaguars yes um i i was i kind of thought they would be a playoff team this year um and they would fight to get in which they did. I was bigger on the Chargers because I really thought they would fight to win the division. They didn't. They would be a Super Bowl favorite, which they were a Super Bowl favorite before the season. And then they got about four weeks in and it kind of went to, this team might not make the playoffs. Um, but they're they're in. And so... I'm going to ride with them. I, I've already I picked them as a favorite all year. So you know what? I'm going to stick to my gun. Chargers 31, Jaguars 30. Oof. Oof. But I will not be surprised if the Jaguars win. Good. Hey, I, 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 same thing like you said. They're hitting at their perfect time, and they're playing excellent ball, and I love their coach. I think coaching-wise, the Jaguars have a – Um, an advantage. Yes, and one thing
0: I think that really plays a crucial factor into this ballgame is the health of Mike Williams. You Mm -hmm. know, If that back, you know, they've already said there's no breaks, fractures, or anything in the back. You know, x-rays were looking good and everything, but he took some hard hits, and he had to be helped off the field. He had to be carted off. He had to be helped walking, you know, out of the locker room, in the locker room, and everything else. When your back seizes up that bad, it takes a while to recover from it. And having a you know six day rest, seven yeah six day rest, you've got to rehab that quick and hard, you know fast. And it, it'll be interesting to see how big of an impact he could potentially play in this ball game. But his health is what could say, yeah, the Chargers is going to win or the Chargers are going to lose.
1: No, I, I agree.
0: So um, next ball game, you got the Dolphins and the Bills. We already talked about the Dolphins, their quarterback situation. Um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell um, finished first and third in franchise um Single season yard receiving um, for the Dolphins. So Tyreek Hill sets the franchise single season receiving yard record. Um, Jalen Waddle finishes third in franchise um, record um, in a single season, both with I think over 1,100 yards receiving in a single season. So that's impressive, right there, for those two guys. Um, and what Tyreek Hill has been able to do with this offense um, shows you, you know, how truly good of a quarter uh, uh, of a receiver he is. Uh, but then also shows you how well of a receiver Jalen Waddle can be as
1: well. No, exactly. Um, just so talented. And I, and I think the impact Hill had is maybe getting a little overshadowed by what Mahomes did without him this year, which I think in certain instances doesn't surprise a lot of people. But the impact difference that he made in Miami really shows how valuable he was. And like Mahomes has said before, and I think we've both said it on this podcast before, losing Hill was the best thing for Mahomes because it made him a better quarterback besides relying on two guys. Yes. Um, And so maybe that kind of counter effects to a now in the same way where it makes Tua and his future next year become a better quarterback because he's already struggled without having a dominant wide receiver um then he got Waddle and now he's got Waddle and Hill so now it can maybe come together where he has a one and two and if they're both covered or something now he knows what to do, and he can make things. Um, he can make plays happen, and not have to rely on them. If that makes sense.
0: No, it does. It does. Um, so. so, you look at Buffalo in this ball game. Buffalo's playoff. You know they. You can get a, almost a tell of two different stories with their receiving core um, when it comes to the playoffs. Stefan Diggs either shows up and balls out in a b in a ball game in the playoffs or he is non existent. So you have to wonder what what Stefan Diggs you're going to get this game. Um you know, if not Gabriel Davis, he normally steps up very well um in a playoff game. I mean, shoot against Kansas City last year in the AF in the AFC divisional game. He had what, three touchdowns alone?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I mean, and then, you know, you've got a speedy weapon that they just you know brought back to Buffalo off the practice, you know, to the practice squad and then off the practice squad onto the main roster within forty eight hours, and that is John Smoke Brown. Now, coach, can you name where John Brown
1: played his college ball at? Mm, I do not remember. Pit State.
0: That's right. So Gorillas. The Gorillas of Pit State. Um, so he scored his first touchdown um, since the 2020 season. Um, and this dude still has his speed, still has the capabilities to get things done. And so the Bills have a good, you know, hidden weapon on that receiving cord going into the playoffs. But again, you know it's it's what jo- what type of Josh Allen are you going to get? Are you going to get the Josh Allen from midseason where he was forcing things and making mistakes, and the Bills were in very close ball games? Or are you going to get the Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, G- Davis that show up and get things done um, and actually ball out? Um, I think in this ball game, though, because of what's going on with the Dolphins, their quarterback situation, and their struggles. Um, and how they played the jets this past weekend. I think the bills are in control of this one 37 to 14 um, and continue on in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think just like you said the bills have kind of been two store uh, two kind of had two stories um, and I don't know if that if that's just the team kind of getting bored a little bit because um, we, we see this with teams sometimes where you have so much talent you have so much success and you know the potential you have that you almost get bored of the regular season and you're just like I'm, I'm ready for the playoffs I'm ready for the playoffs for the games to really matter and where it's do or die and so I think this weekend was a good kind of kick in the butt for them to restart um, with such excellent playoff play um, and for them to just emotionally have a good game coming back after what happened. Mm -hmm. And so I think that carries on, and I think the Bills win this 35-21.
0: I like it. All right. NFC now, coach, the Vikings and the Giants, again, rematch. Um, This one in the regular season was a very close ball game, came down to a 61-yard game-winning field goal by the Vikings just a few weeks ago. The Giants, they rested their starters last week of the season. The Vikings, you know, you've got to – Kirk Cousins, he's got to show up. He's got to play. He's got to, you know, put a good product out on the field. And Justin Jefferson, he needs not to get shut down um, like he did yeah. against J- Jair Alexander of the of the Packers. I mean, you got absolutely embarrassed. Um, but if you're the Giants, you know, I'm excited. You know, first playoff berth since 2016. Brian DeBull doing great things there. Um, you know, Saquon and Daniel Jones need to come out and ball out in this ball game. If the giants want to stand a chance to win. Um, But I think it it, ultimately it's going to be too much. I think the Vikings, you know, hopefully get a good performance out of Kirk cousins. Hopefully Dalvin cook is able to get some things going in the run game. Um, And, you know, I, I really, really do hope Justin Jefferson goes out and, Yo, is able to gritty all over that end zone um, and really ice it out. Um, and I, I think the Vikings win
1: 31-26. Yeah, I think just like you said, the Vikings have to have a good game from Cousins. That, I mean, That's the bottom line. Um, it helps if Jefferson has a big game, but if Cousins can't have a good game, there, there's no run game. There's no, the defense starts weakening. So it, it comes down to the Vikings. The Giants have been oppressive, um, had a great start to the season, kind of bundled, you know, kind of smoked out a little bit um, in the middle of the season and was able to make that push to get the playoffs. Um, we've said it before the NFC East is the best division or it's the worst. Like, that's mm-hmm. the only two options. Um, and we kind of see it run for about five years. It's the worst and then it's the best. And so I think we're in that run for the best division right now. Um, but like you said, I think the Vikings win this uh, 31 – or that's your score, 31-26. I think it's a little – it's little, five points. I mean, it's five points, but that five points is a big difference. Okay, when you're
0: talking Vegas, it's five points is a lot.
1: Yeah, Vegas wise, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Vikings thirty-one, Giants twenty-one. Okay,
0: ten point I, I spread right there. Extra
1: possession, the extra defensive possession by the Vikings to get a stop, I think kind of builds some confidence going into week two. Okay. So
0: last AFC matchup of uh, the wild card rematch of this past week, you know, could have been potentially a coin toss game um, on where they were going to play this one. But can I just say, coach, I had a exact score prediction in week 18
1: with this ball game. that I mean, that's always impressive.
0: It is. 27-16 was the final in this ball game. That is exactly what I predicted last week. Um, So I just wish I was in Kansas and had put money on that because those exact score games, they pay out pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Bengals and Ravens, Lamar Jackson – who the hell knows what's going on with that knee injury. He is not communicating anything to the team. I think he has, you know, hidden maybe some of the stuff from the team as well. When it comes to this injury, obviously, you know, he doesn't have a manager. He doesn't have an agent. You know, everything he does is himself and his mom when it comes to, you know, his publicity, his, you know, contracts, everything. Um, And the dude didn't take a contract going into this season. He's now going to be a free agent at the end of this season. And you're now coming off of a knee injury where you've missed the last five weeks. It's not looking good for you contract-wise. Absolutely not. So you took a chance, and now you've ruined it. Um, And I, I don't think he's going to play this week. You've still got um Snoop Huntley, and you know, he's been on and off with concussions and injuries as well, but uh, you know, it's looking like he's got the green light to go this weekend. I, the Bengals are just still too much. 34 16. Plain and simple. Joe cool.
1: Yeah, I think it all comes down to Lamar. And I think it's interesting to see how he's playing this because. Is he trying to kind of send a statement of this is why you need to sign me? I'm this valuable that you are you are in this situation with the playoffs where you could have had a first seed or contended for the first seed. Um you could have won the division and now you're looking at a tough matchup and possibly if he does, if they do, lose the playoff game. And so I think it's a really bad thing to say. And I don't I'm not saying that's what he's doing. It's just that's a theory of him making that statement. Yeah. Um if he really is hurt, I think he needs to take care of it and be honest with him, be it up front. You're you're going to get a contract. If it's not by the Ravens, someone will pick you up. Like I can tell you right now Houston would sign you in a heartbeat because they have nobody. And so what if,
0: you know, and I it's not a possibility at all, but what if we had a two-headed monster in the backfield of Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson? I or is that just is be... that is that just too much ego in one locker room and in one backfield?
1: I mean possibly, but I think that would be It'd be interesting to see and see the matchup work with you know both their styles. Um, I wish you could really customize Madden
0: to and I, I you probably could you could create your own playbook to where you can run this and I, I I think I need to go in and look at this now, but I wish there was a way you could really customize Madden enough to. Simulate this and see how it would work. Yeah,
1: I'm sure. I'm sure you
0: can. So I've got. I've got to look into this now. Ooh, but ooh, I put a thought um, in my head. Ooh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> dangerous. I, I just yeah, it, it's kind of sucks for the Ravens, um, but they have a good backup that that matches Lamar's style. Um, So I think that gives them a little bit of a benefit, but I'm going to go Ravens, and this might be a little high, but I'm going to go Ravens 24, Bengals 31.
0: Bengals 38.
1: Oh, 38. Sorry.
0: No, you're good. You're good. I've got a
1: one above and a one under. That's why I have you write these down. Exactly.
0: So, all right, last matchup. Of the Super Revenge Wildcard Weekend. And that is uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Cowboys, we've already talked about it coming off of an embarrassing performance against the Washington Commanders, um, where, as some Cowboys fans and the rest of the NFL would probably say, that was peak Cowboys playoff performance. Um, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady, he is 7-0 and against the Cowboys in his career. 3-0 and all-time against Dak Prescott. I just – we saw this matchup earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, the Buccaneers, they did not play well. I, um, but they still came away with the victory. Um, you know, and the Cowboys, you know, didn't play well either. It, it was really not a good showing for either team. But I, I fought hard on this decision in my head between between both these squads. I mean, both have some good weapons, you know, good running backs, Fournette, um, Pollard and Zeke, you know, good receivers with Mike Evans, um, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, you know, there there's just weapons on each side of the ball. It's defensively, you've got Parsons, you've got Vander Esch, um, you know, Lawrence, I mean, Vita Veda for the Buccaneers. Um, it's, I, I went back and forth on this, but I just can't see the Cowboys winning this ball game. So I'm going Buccaneers 31 27.
1: Yeah, I think um, this, I think this is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a one possession game. I'm going to go Cowboys 24, Buccaneers 21. I I think the Cowboys defense is one of the better defenses that Brady's played this year. I think that the combo with Zeke and Pollard is is more effective than we see with White and um, I just blanked on his name. Fournette. Fournette. Um so and and the Tampa Bay wide receiver four is banged up. Like it's literally like every other week it's someone else is hurting. So I think the Cowboys can squeak this one by and win it by three.
0: All right. So there we have it. Super revenge wild card weekend um, predictions. You know they are now finalized. We will get them onto the Twitter page, um, you know, before Saturday. And uh, coach, we covered a lot um, yeah, in this we episode. Did. We we covered a lot and. It's only going to get more in depth as we get more into the playoffs. You know, we get fewer and fewer games, but that allows us to talk more and more about these matchups and break them down even more. Um, so, really looking forward to see what happens this weekend with these six ball games between Saturday through Monday um, and sets us up for the divisional round. Um, so, f- you know, for coach. You know, thank you. Um, you know, remember to continue to follow us on Twitter at Sports Trenches. Give us a like, follow, share. Um, continue to follow uh, follow us and share us as well with the podcast. Um, and other than that, episode twenty nine playoffs is in the books.